Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello and welcome to the weekly UK True Crime podcast. I'm Adam. We're lining up some interviews for the coming weeks, so if there are any authors or other people from the world of UK True Crime who'd like to hear on the show, please drop me an email or tweet me at UK True Crime. For today's episode, we travel north of the border to Scotland and to Glasgow which is Scotland's largest city and the third largest city in the whole of the UK. In this week's case, we look at an ongoing feud between two Glasgow families and the tragic consequences that have followed. In April 2010, a 41-year-old man was brutally stabbed to death in a park in the north of Glasgow. Police officers believe that a number of people, both men and women, were involved in the disturbance and appealed for witnesses to come forward. Police said it was understandable that local residents were frightened and they increased patrols in the area to alleviate fears. Detectives suspected that the murder was gang-related, possibly related to drugs, and the sheer number of people involved in the disturbance led them to fear just what would happen next. Have you read the book No Mean City? Ah, If not, get it today. It's a real classic, and although it's fiction, it's heavily rooted in fact. Written in the 1930s, it's an account of gang warfare in Glasgow. It tells the tale of gang wars often settled with a slash for razor, and it details the rise of Johnny Stark in his journey to be the undoubted razor king of a gang in the notoriously tough district of Goebbels. This book went a long way to establishing Glasgow's image as a tough place to operate, and where hard men thrive. Fifty years later, Glasgow gangs were back in the main news. The Glasgow Ice Cream Wars was a turf war in the east end of Glasgow in the 1980s between rival criminal organisations selling drugs and stolen goods from ice cream vans. Van operators were involved in frequent violence and intimidation. One driver and his family were killed in an arson attack that resulted in a 20-year court battle. In this century, criminal gangs still operate and tend to be based around certain families in Glasgow – the most well-known being the Daniels and the Lyon families. If you haven't followed the crime around these families, take a look online. It really is stuff you couldn't make up. We'll certainly be covering this in a future podcast. But back to today's case. In 2010, Andrew Curran Sr. was a father to three children and lived with his wife Cassandra at Craig Bow Court in Mary Hill. Now, Mary Hill is a predominantly working-class area to the north of Glasgow. Football supporters know the area as being the home of Partick Thistle, and with the new train spotting film imminent later this month, 
Fans of the first film will know that a cafe in Mary Hill, Giossinelli's, was used as a set in the original film. Now, I don't watch many films, but I love train spotting. Did you? Andrew was a larger-than-life character, very popular around Glasgow and well-known for his great sense of humour. He was always making people laugh, whether at work or at home. His main passion, except for his family, was football. His team was Glasgow Rangers, and along with friends and family, he avidly watched every game. He also made sure that his children inherited this passion, and a new Rangers kit was never far from the top of their Christmas lists. Andrew was very well known and liked amongst the Rangers supporters community in Glasgow. Andrew's son, Andrew Curran Jr., was aged 18, and he was also Rangers mad. One of his mates was called Paul Brown, and he was just 15 years old. There was an incident early in 2010 where Brown urinated on a bottle of alcohol belonging to Zach Malavin, who was a 16-year-old boy. Malavin reacted badly to this event. I mean, really badly. He stabbed Brown and Andrew Curran Jr. And he also attempted to run down Curran Jr. of a car. Now, none of this was reported to the police. It's, it's hard to understand why something so serious wasn't reported. But in pockets of this part of Glasgow... The culture is very much about looking after your own business and not involving outsiders. Andrew Curran Sr. heard about the incident with Paul Brown. As a worried father, he was, he was really concerned and he became involved when he tried to sort out the problem by telephoning the Malavins. He knew that tensions were escalating and he wanted to stop things before they got out of hand. He spoke to Angus Malavin Jr., so, like Andrew, Angus shared a name with his father, who told Andrew that if anyone went near his brother, Zach, they were getting a bullet in the head. The result of this call was that both families agreed to meet in Mary Hill Park late in the evening of 16th of April. Mary Hill Park is a lovely place. It's used for numerous community events, but parts of it are very private. And on a late Glasgow evening in April, it would be very dark and very empty. Andrew Curran Sr. went to the park with some friends and his sons, Josh and Andrew Curran Jr. The Malavins also headed to the park in significant numbers with their friends and associates. Some of the people involved in this meeting were armed with a variety of weapons and so they were clearly expecting trouble. At first it was a somewhat tense standoff, but the two groups finally clashed near the running track at about 9.30pm. By all accounts, it was bedlam, but in the struggle, Andrew Curran Sr. was stabbed in the neck and the stomach. He was a large, tough man, but he was hurt and clearly in a bad way. His son, Andrew Curran Jr., said, He was still walking, but he was holding his neck. There was blood coming out. He was staggering. I was holding him up. One of his closest friends, 50-year-old James McGregor, was struck on the body with a sword, and he took a shot to the body of a crossbow, injuring him severely, and these injuries would later lead to permanent disfigurement. An ambulance was called, and Andrew Curran Jr. accompanied his dad to hospital. Unfortunately, Andrew Curran Sr.'s wounds were too severe to save his life, and he died at Glasgow's Royal Infirmary Hospital. The Daily Record newspaper in Scotland carried the following report about events of that evening. I quote... A crack cocaine gang slaughtered a dad as he tried to protect his son. Andrew Curran, aged 41, was knifed to death in a park as he pleaded with the drug dealers not to hurt his 18-year-old boy. The thugs, armed with knives and a shotgun, 
stabbed Andrew in the head after he ran out from home to help his son, Andrew Jr., who was being attacked. The dad's pal, James McGregor, age 50, was also stabbed, while a third man was slashed but fled before police arrived. Locals say the gang, who deal rocks of crack cocaine, have blighted their community in Glasgow's Mary Hill. One eyewitness told how the mob suddenly produced a shotgun during the attack. A source said, The park was a bloodbath. It was carnage. Andrew's boy has been having trouble with this local gang. As you all know, and we have already touched on today, in the criminal community, many hold the view that cooperating with the police and the so-called grassing, or giving away information, is something that should never ever be done. However, in this case, the police were fortunate that friends and family of Andrew Curran Sr. did come forward with information about what had happened that evening, and they were prepared to name names and act as potential witnesses in court. Based on the information received, 11 days later, on the 27th of April, police arrested three suspects. Brothers Angus and Zach Malavin, and their friend Stephen Suley. The month after the murder, on the 24th of May 2010, Angus Malavin Sr. confronted witness James McGregor, remember the friend of Andrew Curran Sr. who was injured on the night that Andrew died, as he walked along Mary Hill Road. Malavin shouted, I'm going to put one in your head, you grassing bastard. He was arrested and charged with interfering with a witness. Interfering with a witness is such a serious charge as it strikes to the very heart of justice, as if witnesses don't feel able to come forward Justice cannot be done. Malavin was remanded in custody, but at his trial ten months later he escaped a prison sentence for this crime. To the disgust of many who feared the message this would send to witnesses and people who chose to threaten them. Temporary judge Alistair Stewart QC decided not to jail Angus Malavin because he'd served ten months on remand. He told him, I'm prepared to take the exceptional step of not sending you to prison and I will instead make a probation order. The maximum sentence he could have passed was sending Malavin to five years in prison. I'll leave you to draw your own conclusions on why the judge chose this course of action and whether it was proved to be correct. In November 2010, the trial of the three men accused of being responsible for the murder of Andrew Curran Sr. began at the High Court in Glasgow. The Malavin brothers Angus and Zach, along with Stephen Suley, denied killing Andrew Curran. They claimed they were just defending themselves and the other side with the aggressors during the confrontation. One of the lines repeated by the prosecution was that the defendants had armed themselves with weapons ahead of the meeting, including a sword, which was the fatal weapon, and a crossbow. They'd clearly expected trouble. The jury did not believe their defence, and all three were found guilty. Interestingly, in Scotland there's never been a requirement for verdicts in a trial by jury to be unanimous, they are reached by simple majority, and some people were even executed on majority verdicts in Scotland, such as Susan Newell, who had one juror dissenting. Angus Malavin, 25, was found guilty of murdering Mr Curran by stabbing him in the neck and in the stomach. Zach Malavin, aged 28, was convicted of murder by acting with his brother. Stephen Suley, just 17, was found guilty of culpable homicide. All three were also found guilty of assaulting James McGregor. At the sentencing hearing in January 2011, Lord Matthews ordered Angus Malavin Jr. to serve at least 18 years 
and his brother at least 17 years in prison. There were angry scenes in the courtroom as the killers were led to the cells. As Zach Malavin was led from the dock, he smirked, prompting a current family member to shout, Stop sniggering, you took his life and you're going down. Malavin responded to these remarks by shouting back, Easy days. Suley was given seven years in prison. Judge Lord Matthews said he was satisfied that the 21-year-old did not strike Mr Curran, but he had still associated himself with what went on. In most cases on this podcast, the trial is the end of the story. But this is not the case today, as the trial certainly didn't provide closure. Not one little bit. Just a month after the trial, Andrew Curran Jr. was in hospital fighting for his life after being slashed with a machete at 7.30am, very near the spot where his dad was murdered. Detectives at Maryhill appealed for witnesses to the assault in the Sumston area of Glasgow. They carried out door-to-door inquiries and examined CCTV footage in the area. Information on what actually happened here is hard to uncover, but the suspicion is it was a revenge attack on Andrew for giving evidence at the trial. Nobody was ever charged. In February 2011, a gunman targeted the family home of a teenage witness in the case. Paul Brown, who was now 16, if you recall he was the person who had originally urinated on the alcohol belonging to Zach Malavin, he'd also given evidence at the trial. The house where he lived in Maryhill was attacked by a masked gunman at 4am on a Sunday morning and shots were fired through the window of the house. Again, this was suspected to be a revenge attack for him giving evidence. Nobody was arrested for this crime. Angus Malavin, he did spend 10 months on remand, awaiting trial for interfering with a witness. He was in prison when two of his sons were found guilty of the murder of Andrew Curran Sr., but he was released in February 2011. Just the very next month, an attempt was made on his life in broad daylight when a 4x4 car was driven directly at him in the Summerston area of Glasgow. Malavin survived, but he was really lucky to do so. Witnesses say he was thrown 40 feet by the impact and the incident was treated as attempted murder by detectives. Once more, no charges were ever brought in relation to this case. Local Scottish National Party councillor Billy McAllister commented at this time, The police have been totally ineffective. There has been tit-for-tat violence since the trial. The Malavins have been trying to dish out their justice to the people who stood up and gave evidence. The Curran boy was attacked on Sunday and there have been other stabbings not reported. This latest incident with the 4x4 was no accident. It's anarchy and it's going to escalate. Sadly, and somewhat unusually for an elected representative, Billy McAllister was proved correct. In April 2011, witness in the trial and close friend of Andrew Curran Sr., James McGregor, was again involved in an incident. This time he was battered in a savage street assault by a group of armed men. He was badly beaten and had to be hospitalised. It was strongly suspected that this was another revenge attack due to him giving evidence. Yep, you guessed it. Nobody was charged for this offence. Next in the firing line was 50-year-old Angus Malavin Sr. again. On January 2nd, 2014, he was attacked and brutally beaten up by a gang of thugs in the Maryhill Tavern. One witness said, Angus was in a bad way after it. He was outnumbered and got a serious kicking from a big team of boys. 
Police said they received a report of a large disturbance at the pub on January the 2nd, in which a man was left with serious injuries and were continuing to investigate. But once again, nobody was charged. On the 17th of January 2014, Chris Malavin, who was 27, and the brother of Angus and Zach, tried to kill key witness James McGregor. Yep, him again. Malavin was driving a silver Audi A3, in which his brother, Zico Malavin, aged 19, was a passenger. He saw James standing at a bus stop and performed a U-turn before Zico Malavin got out of the car and exchanged words with John. The 54-year-old ran off, but was struck by the Audi, throwing him backwards. He then got up and began shouting at the car driver. As he did this, the Audi struck him once again, pinning him against a parked taxi. Malavin then reversed the car and McGregor fell onto the road. Malavin manoeuvred his car so it was facing McGregor and drove over his legs twice before driving off at speed. Now can you just imagine the reality of that, how much it must have hurt? McGregor was left lying in the road, screaming in intense pain. The incident was witnessed by a number of motorists and pedestrians who were in the area. McGregor had to have an operation to stop the bleeding and have a pin inserted in his right leg. He was unable to walk for 16 weeks, but he's now able to walk short distances with a stick. He's been left with a limp and will require a hip replacement in the future. Due to the witnesses present, this case did see an arrest and charge. At Edinburgh High Court, Malavin pleaded guilty but stressed that this was an isolated incident and he usually took precautions to avoid becoming part of the feud. It was a spur of the moment act of violence which led to him being charged. If it had been premeditated, it's likely there would have been no witnesses willing to come forward. The judge sent Malavin to prison for seven years, giving him a year's credit for pleading guilty. In May 2014, Stephen Suley, who was only 17 when he was one of the original trio convicted for the murder of Andrew Curran Sr., was deemed safe enough to be freed early from his prison sentence. Six months later, on Christmas Day in 2014, he and Zico Malavin, brother of the other two found guilty of the murder of Andrew Curran Sr., stormed a house party before attacking 25-year-old Robert Eady and repeatedly hitting him with an axe and a knife. The attack happened at a Christmas party hosted by Edie's sister at her flat in the city's Summerston area. According to witnesses, Suli and Malavin suddenly turned up around midnight uninvited. Suli was armed with an axe, while Malavin, sporting a red Christmas jumper, nice festive touch, huh, was clutching a knife. Edie's sister, who knew the pair, demanded they get out. Her brother Robert Eady tried to put them out, but as he did so, both attacked him. The duo were eventually forced out and they fled the scene. But a blood-soaked Robert Eady, meantime, was rushed to hospital, where he needed an operation to repair a deep wound to his groin and to his penis. Ugh, just sounds utterly horrific. He also suffered injuries to his head and his hand. He was released from hospital days later, but he'll be permanently scarred from this encounter. Suli was sentenced to three and a half years in prison and Malavin got two and a half years for this attack. Whilst on bail for the attack, Malavin took a knife out of his home and got in a car with friends and they went to a neighbour's house where there was a dispute. Malavin didn't use the knife on this occasion, but he was given additional time in jail for possession. 
It just shows how some people are willing to pick up a knife almost as standard when there is a disagreement. His lawyer, Lorna Clark, said, A situation which could have escalated did not. Mr Malavin quickly removed himself from that. It's simple. He was in possession of a knife and quite frankly, he should have known better. She said he has recently become a dad to a baby son and he wishes to lead a crime-free life. I wonder if Lorna is right and he will lead a crime-free life. I wonder if his brothers will lead a crime-free life when they're released from prison. What do you think? This episode today is pretty unusual as there's no clean-cut conclusion. One man is dead and others are behind bars but there's no ending to this story. We've heard about some shocking events and really the main shock is that more people haven't lost their lives. Well, yet, anyway. Looking at the social media accounts of the people either directly involved or on the periphery of events, it is clear that feelings still run really high and this disagreement isn't over. One other point that we must pause to consider is the performance of the police. It's really easy to criticise their performance and their lack of success in solving a number of the crimes we've listened to. However, finding people to go on the record as witnesses must feel almost impossible sometimes. When you see the repercussions suffered for talking to the police, you can see why people from a small community are really unwilling to help. If it was you, would you help? I think we'd all like to think we would, but in reality, when you know this is going to endanger your life, and potentially the lives of those around you. Would you? Thank you for listening to this episode of the weekly UK True Crime Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please go to iTunes and leave us a fantastic review. And if you haven't done so yet, head to our website at uktruecrime.com and sign up to our newsletter. I look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye for now. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. 
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.